Hey guys, Jordan here with Hoppy Sabbath Homestead. I just wanted to hit record and punch fear in the face and, you know, just kind of go for it here. Um, I wanted to tell my story and get it off my chest because, you know, even if nobody listens to this, I want to talk. <laughs> so uh, without further ado, let's, let's do this. Uh, now, I don't have a name for this podcast yet. Uh, I'm toying with stuff like, as he is, so are we, but why aren't I? <laughs> um, so, to give you a little background on myself, um, <clears throat> I was born and raised in Hawaii. And uh, my dad, at uh, a very young age, took me to church, and I absolutely loved it. And uh, when he, I was six years old, he moved to North Carolina. And I lived with my mom. Uh, my mom was a, um, <laughs> she, uh, <clears throat> my mom believed in whatever she really wanted to at that point. Um, she, uh, kind of, she didn't try to teach me this, but I learned that Christians were hypocritical greedy people who just hated people and all they wanted were uh, the poor people's money. Uh, you'd see them in their white suits with their gold and basically if they really loved us they would rip off those gold bracelets and give it to us and you know when you think about it that is kind of um, kind of what you see in the church you know that is, that is what you see in the church and, and whenever anybody talks about tithing or anything like that in the church um, a lot of people cringe because, you know, you do see a lot of poverty and nobody doing anything. But my question, and this is kind of a little bit of a rabbit trail, but my question to those people who cringe at pastors saying that is, what are you doing? When you cringe in your seat that people are asking for money, are you stopping and loving the person who is... Uh, cold, <laughs> without a pair of socks, without shoes, without anything. They don't even have enough money to go to the dollar store and get a bag of chips, you know. Um, so that's just kind of food for thought there. But what I really want to tell you guys with my story is that, um, you know, I I grew up in Hawaii. We went to we went to food banks for dinner. We, my mom kind of guarded us from believing that we were in poverty uh, with, you know, we do outreach at the church. And so we weren't, um, we weren't actually uh, members of the church. We didn't go to services or anything like that. We just went for the food. But while we were there for the food, we would go and um, do outreach. And uh, <laughs> there was also a little hidden motive there too, where my mom, she wanted first pickings of um, the donation bags because they had bags and bags and bags of clothes and toys and furniture and just free things that my mom could have. And so, yes, we, we helped uh, this ministry um, sort through this stuff, but also we helped ourselves to food and, and all this stuff. So I guess it was sort of a win-win situation. I don't know how you want to look at that, but uh, it's, it's just interesting to think about. And um, I learned a lot back then through all, all that. You know, I, I had 
no concept really of God. Uh, things were God. My mom was my God and I loved her with all my heart. Um, and then, so fast forward, I <clears throat> got into uh, friendships that probably weren't good for me because in high school, I was super, super just <clears throat> um, socially anxiety ridden, social anxiety ridden. And um, I was so, I, I just had so much anxiety and, and social, I don't even know what the word would be, but I was so bad that when people would come and talk to me, I was so in my head and just talking down to myself that I wouldn't talk. Like I could not, literally the words could not come up out of my mouth because I just, I was so scared. I had such a bad opinion of myself. I, I mean, I used to look in the mirror. <laughs> this is crazy. I used to look in the mirror when I was 13 and just tell myself out loud when nobody was around, when my mom was gone and my little sister was sleeping, I'd go into the bathroom and I look at myself and said, you are fat, you are ugly, you are stupid, you don't, you can't even, you, you can't do anything, like you fail in school, like I used to, I used to preach this to myself when I was like 13 and probably, it probably started when I was younger, that's just when I remember it, um, but I remember watching, my mom worked with, um, with handicapped people and people with mental, mental issues. And, um, there is this woman who, uh, she had a seizure, seizure, uh, um, syndrome. I don't know what it is, but, um, she used to have seizures like crazy and she'd have to wear a helmet cause her brain was so small. And when she had seizures, she would just go fly backwards. I think her name was Maylene. And, um, so Maylene, she had a pretty bad self I, I I don't know she I guess she didn't really have that conceptual ability to to even think about that and and really make an opinion um, but my mom used to go and take her to buy her a uh, little 50 cent soda from the vending machine and um, on the way there she had to go to the bathroom and so they went into the bathroom and then they finished up washed hands and my mom stopped Maylene and, and put her in front of the mirror and and held her shoulders and said, Maylene, you are so beautiful. You are so smart. You can do whatever you want. You are just, you are so great. And I remember, I, I don't know if I was there with my mom or if my mom told me about this, but I remember witnessing that however I did and it really affecting me. And the fact that my mom could give this person a smile out of that and, and give this person a little more self, self, um, self-confidence <laughs> when she couldn't even conceptualize most things, you know, when she, that she was able to do that. So I started doing that to myself and I can't say it was the cure-all or I was totally fixed or whatever. But, um, you know, it really did affect me. And so I remember through my life, I was never happy. I was never content. I was always worried about what other people thought of me, how I looked. And then, but I would put off this facade of, oh, I, <laughs> I don't care what you think, you know, like whatever, F you. And um, 
it was just a facade though and really deep down inside I was so I was in pain with how bad I wanted to be accepted and when I got out of high school because I dropped out when I was 10 or not when I was 10 when I was in 10th grade the beginning probably two or three months in my mom said hey you know you could drop out if you want to but you're gonna have to work and help the family and so I chose to help the family and um, so I dropped out and six months later I did get my GED by the skin of my teeth but um, I found this group of friends that I felt I felt like they were my family like they they were they were everything to me at that point we called each other um the tough tough crew <laughs> I can't even remember what it was what the acronym was uh, for I, I really can't um, but yeah so we were in a crew um and we were in satellite beach Florida you know not anything close to any kind of ghetto at all but we were we were in a crew and um, we would go around and like jump through jump through these uh, plastic fences and see how many we could knock out and the maintenance guys hated us it was it was back then it was hilarious and fun but so I um we went through all that and you know the not hard drugs or anything but I was around people who would shoot up pills and take pills and that kind of thing I never wanted to get into like hallucinogens or or pills or anything like that but I did smoke weed and drink with my friends and you know you get into things that you uh, tend to look back on and not <laughs> not like to look back on um, so, you know, we went through all that stuff and then I had, I decided to move to Hawaii to be with my mom and my little sister. Um, and when I went out there, I had a life changing moment where, um, I, I went out there thinking I was going to have a job and a place to live and a car and this and that. And when I got out there, I had nothing. <laughs> I had $500. And that's it. Uh, I had a job that paid me like $6 an hour. <clears throat> and um, what I just, I, we found this hostel, which is kind of like a little um, inn for travelers. And I mean, I met people from Germany and France. I mean, people from all over the world. It was a really cool experience. Uh, still had extreme anxiety and now that I left all my friends and left Florida everything I've known for the last eight years uh, and I'm in this whole new place uh, basically a whole new country um, not really because it's Hawaii but um, and then I lived in this hostel and they had bed bugs and people drank and there was puke every it was it was it was fun when I was 19 but looking back, it, it is probably the last thing I ever want to be around. But um, I just, I, I, I was in that situation. Uh, but me and my mom, we, me and my mom and my little sister, we were driving down um, some highway. And we were talking about just stuff. And my dad came up. And so I told my mom that I don't really care about my dad. I don't care if he dies. I don't, I really couldn't care less, um, about what happens with him because 
you know, he didn't want me to begin with. He left me when I was six years old and he just buys me things every once in a while. But really, I, I don't care. We don't have a relationship. He didn't want me. And my mom, she stops me and she says, well, you know, it's not that he didn't want you. It's that I didn't want him to have you. I stopped. I was floored. Like, I don't, I don't even think that I was able to <laughs> really get a grasp on what she had just said to me. I, my whole trust system for her towards her was gone. Um, I just, I was floored. I didn't know how to take it. And so, uh, from then on, I decided, you know, I'm going to try to have a relationship with my dad. And so I reached out to him and I kind of told him what I was going through and this and that. And it wasn't like a real deep conversation or anything, but he knew that I was, I was, uh, going to try to run away from my mom in that situation as fast as I could. And so... You know, it was probably going to lead me to the wrong choice. And um, he said, you know, you can come to North Carolina and live with me. And if you want to go to college, I'll let you go to college and live for free. I'll, I'll even help you. You can get a job out here and you can even be my receptionist. You know, I'll, I'll help you out. And so I decided that that's what I was going to do. So in 2000 and uh, I think it was 13... 12 or 13, I moved out to, um, to, well, I went to Tampa, Florida to be with my big sister for a little bit. And then my dad was going to come drive down and pick us up and take us to Miami to see his family. And then we were going to, we went back up to North Carolina. So in North Carolina, still very, very depressed. Um, like probably that's when the epitome of depression in my life hit. Uh, I was so bad that I couldn't leave my bed. Like I could, like when I left my bed, it was just to go into the kitchen. And when I'd go into the kitchen and my dad would ask me something or say something to me, I would take it so personally, whatever it was, it doesn't matter even what he said. He might've just said, Hey, how are you? Why have you been in bed? <laughs> you know? And I would have just started crying profusely because I was just so depressed and so anxiety ridden. And, um, my dad always told me, you know, you can't be so defensive that it's not all about you basically. And back then it was just, it was very, very hard for me to even look at myself in the mirror. Um, I can't remember how I pulled myself out of bed. Uh, but I did <laughs> and I got a job and um, in those jobs I worked really hard but still just super depressed and just there for a paycheck and then I got a puppy <laughs> little tango and uh, tango was kind of my little godsend and um, I would make three or four hundred dollars a week or a paycheck <laughs> which was two weeks wow that's crazy um, I would make three or four hundred dollars every two weeks and I would go to the pet store and I would spend almost every single penny of it on Tango and we would go to the park three times a week and this dog was my best friend for a long time and um, then I my dad started talking to me about creationism and uh, um, 
intelligent design, I'm sorry, intelligent design, and it interests me, and, you know, I started watching the videos that he, he was showing me, and I was just like, well, crud, you know, I can't really dispute the fact that you look at this universe and it's somehow perfectly evolved together. And um, I was like, well, okay, here, here's where I am now. I'm choosing to be agnostic because I believe that there is something bigger. I believe that this universe was designed and created, but I refuse, I refuse to be a Christian. I don't want to believe in Jesus. I don't want to believe in that God. I don't want to believe in any of it because I see what Christians are. I see how they are. I see what churches are. They're just little cults that they get together and judge people. That's all they do. And so that was my mindset at that point. And um, I just started doing a lot of research. My dad had a couple of ministers that he would listen to. And so I'd listen to them here and there and of course roll my eyes whatever blah 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 um but then I I was sitting in my room and I thought how can I hate how can I hate someone or an organization or something that I don't even know about all I know is what I see and I'm noticing now in life not everything is what it seems. And so I decided to go and get myself a King James Bible. <laughs> Probably the hardest Bible to understand ever. Um, and so I went to Costco and I bought me a $7.98 Bible. It was bright orange. I still have it. I still read it. It is very colorful inside now. But I opened it up. And I tried reading from uh, the beginning to the back. I think I got to Leviticus and I was like, I don't even understand anything. And then I tried to go from Revelations and back and I got to Acts and I was like, ah, this is weird. <laughs> and then I found Ephesians, Ephesians 1-4, before the foundation of the world, he chose us, he saw us, he wanted to adopt us, I'm paraphrasing, he wanted to adopt us into his family, and I just remember thinking, I don't know what this means, but I really, really like it. It's touching something inside of me, and I want to understand more. And so I started, uh, not the biggest mistake of my life, but a pretty big mistake, um, I started looking into what ministers on YouTube said about this and what church people said about this and what quote-unquote renowned people of the Lord said about this. And um, I would watch all of these YouTube videos and listen to all of this stuff and I got very confused because what they were saying didn't line up with the Bible. And so I stopped reading the Bible. <laughs> now that's the biggest mistake of my life. Um, but I stopped reading the Bible and I just started listening to the videos and the teachings and what men said. And I remember, I remember like reading in the Bible certain truths and being like, wow, this is so cool. You know, God says that as, 
as he is, so are we in this life. And all things that he, or everything that we see him do, we can do and more. And I remember seeing that and just thinking that that was so cool. But then I remember going to church and, and listening to people and their opinions and their experiences and the fact that they didn't see Jesus in people's lives. They didn't see Jesus in their life. And so it can't happen. You're only human, you know. You, you can't expect to be perfect because you're just human. <laughs> and, you know, on one, on one flip of the coin... Yes, in your human, in your human uh, ability, you can never be perfect. But here's the thing: what does the Bible say about what does the Bible say about when you believe in Jesus, when you believe and receive, and then when you're baptized? So when you believe in Jesus, you're expressing it with your mouth. When you when you are baptized. You're expressing it with your life. And so when you're when when you express your belief in Christ and then you um, you say yes to him, and then the pastor asks you what your testimony is, blah blah blah, and then he has you plug your nose up and he has you die to yourself. You get buried with Christ in the water you get dunked in the water fully submerged and then you get born again through through the the death of Christ you're washed by the blood so you get dunked in the water you get brought back up and you're in new life but here's the hitch you don't feel new <laughs> you you don't look new you, nothing, your habits are all the same, you know, what you believe is all the same, nothing really has changed in the, uh, in quote-unquote reality of, of life. And so what do you do with that, you know? You, you, you think, well, at least for me, when I got baptized, I believed it was going to be that magic light switch that was going to change everything. And, um... You know, it wasn't. <laughs> uh, but I think that this is a good place to stop. Um, I really appreciate if you did listen to this and you listened to it this far. I applaud you. I applaud you right now. You are amazing. I appreciate you listening to uh, my crazy ramblings. Um, again, this is Jordan with Hoppy Sabbath Homestead. This is podcast number one. As he is, so are we. And why aren't we? So, you guys, stay blessed. I love you. And uh, I'll see you on the next one.